I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into the Oana Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Oana Enquirer publisher here with you. And today on the podcast, we're going to get you ready for Illinois against Virginia. It is an early kickoff, the earliest kickoff that anyone inside the program has ever heard of. 10 a.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time is Illinois heading to Virginia to play Bronco Mendenhall and the Virginia Cavaliers. And I think there's a really intriguing matchup because I look at Virginia and I see a lot of similarities with the Illinois program. Uh, both programs have struggled to kind of find the sustained success. They've had these years where they can be pretty good. Both high academic institutions, which is a great thing, but also can be difficult at times when you're trying to recruit prospects. Both are in states with really good recruiting territories, but sometimes they can struggle to recruit to those territories, whether it's Illinois with Chicago or Virginia with the DMV, uh, DC, Maryland, Virginia kind of area around there, uh, just loaded uh, with prospects, but everyone comes in there and tries to get them. But Illinois, there was, when they were hiring coaches, no matter when it was 2012 or 2016, or uh, Bronco Mendenhall's name was always a name that you know, you thought, can they go get him? But Bronco Mendenhall is from Utah. He coached at BYU for more than a decade and had great success. He coached almost exclusively in the the Pacific time zone or the Mountain West time zone. And uh, he goes to Virginia, though. They they pluck him away, and he's found some success after a 2-10 and ten year. The last four years, four-plus years there, uh, he's 29-22. and 22. They've made... Bowl eligibility for four straight years. They declined to go to a bowl last year during the pandemic, um, but they also won the ACC Coastal Division just two years ago in 2019, and they're hoping to compete for that wide-open division yet again this year. They haven't had a, a Power 5 test yet. Illinois has against Nebraska. Uh, Illinois had, a, obviously, a big test against UTSA that they weren't able to win, uh, but uh, Virginia has played one game against FCS opponent William and Mary. They have a gauntlet of a schedule coming up with a bunch of division and conference opponents right after Illinois, three primetime games after Illinois. So I think this is a huge test for both teams. For Illinois, it's can you repeat the success of Nebraska and make adjustments uh, from your loss against UTSA to tighten things up and steal a road victory and potentially start the Brett Bielma era 2-1 and one with two Power 5 victories. I think that would be a great start. For Virginia, they're trying to bounce back from what they think was a down year last year in five and five and four and five in the ACC and win a power five game going into uh, their ACC schedule here. So I think it's going to be a really interesting showdown. I think for Illinois, you know, you only got so many bowl opportunities, but I think this could be a statement win. And, you know, you feel really good 
uh, if you're able to get wins against Nebraska and Virginia within your first three games. So how big of a test is Virginia? What do they bring to the field? We caught up with Jackie Franchuli, who does a great job covering Virginia for 24-7 sports, Wahoos 24-7. Jackie's going to join us next to break down what has made Bronco Mendenhall successful and what does Virginia bring to the field and what do they need to do to take care of home field advantage against the Illini. Jackie Franchuli is coming up next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Happy to bring on the Illini Enquirer podcast and get some opposition research here from Jackie Franchuli, who covers the Virginia Cavaliers uh, for Wahoos 24-7. Jackie, thanks for joining us. Um, a rare Power 5 matchup for Illinois going on the road here with, with football in, in an early season. But uh, uh, Virginia with a 43-0 win over William & Mary. I know it's an FCS program, but not a bad way for them to start off the season, huh? Yeah, and you're right. I know it's, a, again, it's not an FBS opponent, but it's hard to shut out a team. So that was a good way to start for your defense. And honestly, it was a good way to start offensively as well. Yes, it was a slow start, but because of their opponent, they were able to you know kind of stay in there. And one of the things that UVA's quarterback, Ben Armstrong, said before was that one thing that he was working on was making sure one mistake doesn't turn into two or he doesn't show his frustrations. He's a quarterback that shows a lot of emotions on the field. So sometimes that's great, sometimes it's not. So with him being able to hone down that emotion, work through the mistakes early on, and not get frustrated himself was a good learning experience for him. So it's, it's a lot of good things that came out of that game. It's rare, Jack. I want to come back here for a second. It's rare that Illinois plays another orange and blue team. Here we go at Virginia. But it's also, you know, Bronco Mendenhall was a name that, you know, I've been covering uh, enough coaching searches where his name has come up as a possible guy. But mm-hmm. it was always, hey, he's from the Mountain West, right? Like he, he's a Utah guy, spent so much time at BYU, has been, uh, you know, in the West Coast or in the Mountain Time Zone for a long time. But Virginia is finally the school that steals him away from BYU. Um, what has made him such a good fit and a successful fit uh, across the country at Virginia? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, before I covered the Gators for a few years, I actually covered his coaching search at UVA because UVA was the first beat I've ever covered out of college. 
And that was a name that shocked everyone, that Bronco Mendenhall was in consideration for UVA. Like you said, he's been connected to other programs, and UVA just seemed to, you know, have the ability to learn him here. And what he's done has been quite remarkable. And now, covering UVA previously, before Mendenhall arrived, there was no accountability in the program. The culture wasn't quite there. Um, and what he's done at UVA has changed that, you know, the first thing he did and actually interviewed one of the former players, uh, Quinn Blanding, and he said, you know, some of the guys were just shocked. You're like, you haven't earned your name in the back of your jersey. You haven't earned your number. Um, and that's what he did. He made these guys realize that they need to earn all those things. And that mantra earned before and not given has kind of stuck in the program. And you kind of see it on the field now, too. You, you see it that if you're, you don't put in the work, you're not going to play. And then what he's done is also said it kind of kind of going where it's uh, will not skill there are all these things these these mindset changes has really kind of changed how this program was a few years ago to what it is now and he's done a good job yeah I mean how would you put into context what he's done uh, Jackie because uh, I mean Illinois would love to be where Virginia is in a couple of years you know one of the top half teams in, in their conference making bowl games every year. Um, you know, mm-hmm. 500 plus record most years. So, um, how 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 significant is that um, that he's done that at Virginia in, in really kind of a short period of time? Yeah, it is pretty significant. And what he's done too now, UVA is a is a hard school to recruit to as well. And because one of the things that UVA has to deal with too is admissions. Is mm. there, you know, they have high academic standards at UVA. And prior to Bronco Mendenhall coming to campus, they kind of made kind of tried to recruit only in state not only but mostly in state or around the area around maybe the dmv nova or maybe north carolina south carolina but they wouldn't kind of expand their footprint what bronco mendenhall realized and what his staff realized was you know what we have to handle our recruitment and more like stanford or notre dame we're not going to get four stars and five stars like those guys all the time but if we can kind of widen our net and get guys that fit our culture in the mindset as well as physically we can lure them here and that's what they did if you look at their roster they actually did a pretty good job of recruiting virginia but also a lot of other uh states like in the state of florida they have done a good job luring guys from south florida those uh, three-star guys that might not you know be guys that are going to lure by you know florida or miami or florida state they're interested in high academics. They go to those prep schools yeah. that are high academic institutions and they lure them to UVA. That's one thing. You say just identifying kids that fit the culture of your program and then kind of build from there. And one of the other things they've done is develop players. You, you kind of look at, you know, what they've done with guys and how they've kind of moved, you know, three star, four, two star guys and kind of develop them. So it's just about finding guys that fit what your program is. Um, and the thing that's been most of the success that he's had is not going for the five-star, four-stars all the time, but also not sticking in your state completely. Just kind of wind your net. Yeah. I think uh, Illinois fans hear you, Jackie, and there's there's a lot of similarities. Academics, you know, having a huge recruiting area next to you, Chicago for Illinois, obviously the DMV uh, for Virginia. I, I just think there's a lot of parallels with these two programs, which is why they're interesting. They're, they're playing each other. Um, two years ago, what, what a high point for Bronco Mendenhall to get to the ACC title game. Went to the Orange Bowl that year. Last year they go five and five. We all know it was a weird COVID year for everybody. So, so what are kind of expectations entering this season uh, for Virginia? 
So I think if you ask any UVA fan in the Virginia program, they're not going to be happy with a six-win season. They're going to they're looking for eight, nine-win season. Um, that's the kind of the expectations that is around the program. If you listen to Bronco Mendenhall, if you listen to their the guys on their staff, you listen to the players, they're they're really excited about this offense. You know, one thing that UVA has done is they brought a lot of veterans back. They have eight super seniors that decided to return for another year. This is a very old side. This is a very veteran side. And they believe that that experience that they have will allow them to be successful on the field, which makes sense because they have another year to build chemistry. Last year, COVID played horribly with a lot of teams around the country. And UVA was one of those that was trying to kind of bring in a new guy under center, trying to get him used to on that offense. And then they had a lot of depth issues on defense, especially in the secondary and the D-line who had some of the guys opt out for due to COVID. So now all those depth concerns are gone. They brought a lot of guys into the transfer portal, and that's the difference this year. So when you ask anyone at UVA, that's what their hope is. Anything in the six-game winning range is not going to be good enough for them. They're hoping to compete for the Coastal. They're hoping to, you know, kind of kind of prove what they did two years ago. Two years ago, I think they were picked fourth or fifth in the ACC, maybe. Hmm. Um, and that's and that's exactly what they want. They want to they want to come in and prove that they're the underrated team in the ACC. And have you seen the coastal? Coastal is always chaos like, with uh, a lot of stuff that's going on. So UVA thinks they have that opportunity. Well, Illinois defensive coordinator Ryan Walters uh, talked this week about how he served on the Arizona staff with uh, Virginia's offensive coordinator, Robert Inay. So the fact that they know each other is an interesting matchup. But uh, what kind of style of offense does Inay run with Virginia, and, and what do they really look to do on that side of the ball? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, this is actually my first foray into seeing Inay. I just came on the beat this past year. This is only going to be my second game with Virginia. But what I noticed the first time is I was kind of curious in how he was going to bring a traditional run game. And then that was not traditional run game whatsoever. He's very inventive in how he uses his players. The one thing that Bronco Mendenhall and Inay want to do is put the best players on the field. So they kind of invented leaving a new position on the depth chart. I don't know if you've noticed the FBP. That's football player. Um, so that that is uh, that is Keaton Thompson and Jacob Rodriguez. Jacob Rodriguez is a quarterback. The way this staff kind of orients the quarterbacks is why do we keep them on the bench if we can develop them and they have some other roles on the field because they know the offense the best. So Jacob Rodriguez is a quarterback, but he's also utilized as a running back, utilized as a wide receiver. He's another football player. And Keaton Thompson, he was a football player against William Mary. He, you know, he ran the ball. He caught the ball. I wouldn't be shocked if he threw the ball because he used to be a quarterback. Um, so they, they really try to use the best players on the field in different positions. They move them around a lot. Um, I, you're going to have a dual threat quarterback, Brendan Armstrong. That's going to be, you know, a, a lot of their a lot of their focus is going to be on him as well. The only thing they want to change is last year, he was one of their leading rushers. That's got to change if they want to be successful. They need to establish a good rushing attack if they want to be successful in the ACC Coastal. So I, I would want to see more of you know Mike Collins, Devin Darrington. Those are the type of things I think are going to be developed a little bit more as the season goes on, especially because they have a veteran offensive line. Um, but yeah, look, look for the unconventionals, I want to say, when it comes to his offense. Jackie, you mentioned Brendan Armstrong a little bit, of course. Um, man, big shoes to fill with Bryce Perkins. Was so good there uh, at Virginia. Uh, ten starts so far. He's he's six and four. What what does he bring at quarterback? You know, he he's he brings that emotional catalyst that you need in an offense. 
Um, he's the guy um, that really tries to put the offense on his back, which is a good and a bad thing sometimes. Like I said earlier, he's an emotional guy. Um, and quarterbacks sometimes can't be that emotional. They have to be even kill at times. And that's something that Brendan Armstrong really needed to learn this offseason. Um, he also needed to learn about going through his progressions, which is something we noticed at William Mary. Again, William Mary is not going to be a FBS defense who's going to put pressure on you all the time. So this is going to be a good test for him against Illinois. But he was going through his progressions. He just wasn't seeing the first and second read and then going to panic mode and just throwing the ball. He was going through his reads and checking – to see where the guys are. So there were there, there were some noticeable things that had um, some some good things that we saw against William and Mary. He's going to be a guy that it can't hurt you with his legs. Like I said, he was one of Virginia's leading rushers last year. He's got a good arm, and during against William and Mary, he did have um, some very nice dimes. I remember that one touchdown that he threw to Rashawn Henry was a very nice pass. So that he does have accuracy. Um, and against William Mary, but he also turned over the ball a lot last year. Mm. Um, the one thing that, you know, that was one thing, ball security was something that UVA was focusing on um, during this offseason. Now, you can blame the fact that he was a new quarterback under center last year and didn't have enough time to practice with the wide receivers. You know how important it is that time between yeah. spring and fall camp where you practice with your wide receivers, and they didn't have that last year. Well, now they do. They had they had the season, they had spring, they had that time between spring and fall, and they had fall. There seems to be a chemistry there, um, and there doesn't seem to have many communication issues from what I can gather. It looks like the wide receivers and him are on the same page. But again, we only saw William and Mary on the film. Yeah. So, but it, he does show some improvement from what we saw last year. Well, Bronco Mendenhall has that defensive background. Uh, what do he and defense coordinator Nick Howell bring with their defense? Uh, what are the strengths and weaknesses of that side of the ball for Virginia? Sure. So the defense was the main concern coming into the season. Yes, they have a lot of veterans. When you look at the numbers last year, it was just it was a bad year for UVA. And I, it was a bad year across the country for for defenses. Again, COVID preventing them to do a lot of contact practices, and you know how important that is um, for any defense. So there was going to be some issuings of tackling. But the secondary was a huge problem for UVA. And I think UVA was in the bottom 10 in the country, bottom 15, of allowing, I think it was 6.8 plays on average a game of 20 yards or more. Um, so they were letting big plays happen. A lot of that was due to their secondary play. Miscommunication, but also depth concerns. You know, Joy Blunt didn't play a lot last year. He was injured. So now they have a lot of depth and a lot of veterans. I think one of the things they need to get better at is they still need to rush the quarterback a little bit better. They need to provide more pressure. I think they'll be able to do that a little bit better than last year because they have more guys coming back. Some guys were opting out for COVID last year. Injuries also hampered their D-line. So they need to they need to show that they can pressure the quarterback, and then the secondary they need to make sure they have no communication issues, which was a concern last year. If you look back on film, a lot of the errors seem to be communication errors. On paper, they shouldn't have communication errors this year because they have a lot of veterans back. Some of these guys have been playing with each other for five or even six years. That's how veteran these guys. Some of these guys have been in the program for six years. I actually joked with one of the players. I like I said, I was on the UVA beat. Um, 2013 to 2016, I covered his recruitment, and then I'm back here, and he's still in school. <laughs> um, so, so that's how long some of these guys have been at UVA. So, on paper, these guys should have chemistry, and they should have good communication. 
Jackie, I'm looking at Virginia's schedule, and uh, you're right. I mean, they have Illinois at home for a 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern time, very early start for for both teams. Then three straight primetime games against conference opponents, North Carolina, Wake Forest, Miami. I mean, what what a slate coming after Illinois. So I guess Illinois can hope that they're looking forward to other games, but, I mean, it's a Power 5 matchup, so I doubt they'll be looking past Illinois. But what's this game mean for Virginia for its season? I think this, uh, I don't want to call it a must-win game this early, but honestly, this is a must-win game. If they're hoping to go on and not have a six-win season, this is a must-win game for them. Because like you said, that is a daunting task that they're about to go on. Three road games and four games. And even Wake Forest, that's a well-coached team. Yeah. Um, I always feel like Wake Forest is dismissed in the ACC. That's a very well-coached team. You can't dismiss them. And like the ACC has proven time and time again, you can't really dismiss anyone. Anyone can win anyone in any given day. Um, North Carolina is going to be an interesting matchup because Bronco Mendenhall um, has beaten UNC the last few years. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. But it'll be on the road. And then you don't know what Miami side you're going to get as well. So I think Bronco Mendenhall has done a good job of, the, of this team not looking forward. But at the same time, you're you're you gotta keep an eye of what this game means. Mm-hmm. If you lose to Illinois, every single game moving forward means more. If you beat Illinois, theoretically you can lose one or two games here in this gauntlet here and then still be in the hunt for the coastal. Yeah. Um just because of the way the coastal is. So if UVA wants to go back and beat and win in the coastal and play in the New York Six Bowl, they need to beat Illinois on Saturday. Yeah. So what are the keys to Virginia protecting home field where they've been really good uh, lately under Bronco Mendenhall? So what are the keys? Like, What are they concerned about with Illinois and what do they need to take care of? Well, first off, they really need to win the turnover battle. I think that is one of the biggest keys for them. I think they need to secure the ball and they need to force a few takeaways. Um, whenever they've done that, they've won. They, they were undefeated in last year when they did win the turnover battle. Um, I think the other thing is they need to provide pressure on Illinois' quarterback, whoever ends up being under center. Um, I think they need to do that. And I think on paper, I know Illinois is having some issues at the wide receiver position, um, but I, I want to see how they handle some physical guys. Some, I, I'm really interested to see the, Isaiah, how they handle Isaiah Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, Williams is a very talented, fast wide receiver. Um, and very. I, I'm interested to see how UVA handles him in the secondary. Um, so I think that is a main key is win the turnover battle, make sure you put pressure on the quarterback and then establish a run game. I really want them to, I really want to see them establish a run game because at the end of the day, that's how you win the AC Coastal. That's how you win in college football. You need that balanced offense. So that is one thing that we'll be seeing on Saturday. Jackie Franchuli, Wahoos 24 seven, check out all her great work over there. Uh, any suggestions for Charlottesville when, when I get there this weekend, Jackie? Sure. Um, if you like ba- if you like bagels, go to Bodo's Bagels. It's okay. near uh, it's near campus. If you like burgers, go to Boylan Heights. All right. Um, and if you like pizza, go to Lampo Pizza. Those are oh, and if you like diner food, go to the Villa. Those are those are probably the, some of the best restaurants that I've I've come to love in Charlottesville. I, I, we will check out at least one or two of those, Jackie. Uh, really appreciate <laughs> your time, and uh, we'll see you down in Charlottesville for a, for an early kickoff. Sounds good, Jeremy. See you here.
Yeah, Joey Wagner and I are going to have to check out some of those spots. Won't be in Virginia and Charlottesville for that long, but uh, we'll, we'll have a dinner at least at some point that we'll be able to check out one of those spots. Great stuff from Jackie Franchuli. Really looking forward to getting down there and covering this game. And it is a big one for Illinois. Some of the things I'm looking for, um, and I'll be writing this in my preview, is I think Illinois' offense has to get a little bit more aggressive early. I don't know how capable, whether it's Brandon Peters playing or Art Sikowski, um, just if you if you haven't read the site this week or, or been on Twitter or whatever, Brandon Peters is expected to go through drills this week. He didn't last week. Uh, he is expected to um, at some point be cleared for contact, but he hadn't as of Monday. Um, I would expect Brandon Peters to be the starter whenever he's clear. Brett Bielman did not answer that question when I asked that exact question to him, and I understand why. Uh, they got to keep Art Sikowski focused, and they got to keep him very confident. And I think, you know, both Bielma and Tony Peterson were very complimentary of Art Sikowski uh, on Monday because I think they want to keep his confidence up. I mean, I want to say this first. I think Art Sikowski has been a huge boost to the Illinois quarterback room. Um, without him the last two weeks, I think Illinois would be 0-2, and, and they probably wouldn't have had a chance against UTSA. Now, he missed a bunch of opportunities against UTSA, and that, that's where, if he's a starter, he's obviously flawed. And Rutgers knew that, and that's why he didn't start, right? But I think for Illinois, he's a huge upgrade over what they had at the backup positions. He had a really good game against Nebraska. Illinois didn't ask him to do much, but when he was asked to do something, he did it pretty well, hit do span on that great throw, manage the game well. Um, I just think he's an upgrade over what they had. So I think Illinois is better with Art Sikowski on their team. That said, he missed a ton of throws that could have maybe potentially helped Illinois win that game. Now, he would have had to score 40-plus points to win that game, though, right? So the defense uh, was a big issue. I think if the defense plays well, you can win a game with Art Sikowski as your quarterback. I think he can give you enough if you have a good defense and a solid run game and a good special teams, complimentary football. You hear that from Brett Bingham all the time. I think you can win. But I think they might need to get a little bit more aggressive. It feels like Tony Peterson has been kind of easing Art Sikowski into it and maybe doesn't want to make that huge mistake. And that's the risk of trying to be aggressive early. But I just don't know if this team is capable of coming back from a 14 nothing deficit like UTSA. Uh, against a team like Virginia. And even against Nebraska, they were real in real danger of going down two possessions there very early in the game. And the defense stepped up and made some plays, and finally the offense got going. Just feels like they've really tried to establish that run game, but teams know that. Teams know that is coming. So I think some play action, getting the ball to, to Daniel Barker and Luke Ford, finding a way to get the ball in Isaiah Williams' hand early. feels like they've really delayed getting Isaiah the ball. Like He's had great second halves, but it's not until the second half that they've really been getting the ball a lot. And, uh, you know, receiver's an issue, but I want to have a few more plays with Deuce Ban. I know he probably doesn't know enough of the playbook to run a lot, but uh, just to stretch the defense out a little bit, maybe get somebody else open because people are paying attention to when number six is on the field now. So I just like them to see uh, be a little bit more aggressive. Defensively, they obviously can't do what they did last week and give those huge cushions, especially on third down. Virginia's got a talented group of wide receivers, so that is a concern. I haven't loved the secondary uh, through two games yet, but the other key is they got to get some takeaways. They have two takeaways through two games so far and i'm not saying you got to go all in on lovey ball here but you gotta this is such a a team with such a low margin for error to increase that margin for error 
get some takeaways, and that's going to include some pass rush. Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay, I think, have pressured the quarterback when they've had a chance, uh, but to to get more pressure on the quarterback, I think, is really important. And Brennan Armstrong, as is, is Jackie said, is prone to turnovers, just like Adrian Martinez was, and I thought Frank Harris was, uh, but they have only forced two turnovers on those two teams so far. So if they can get multiple takeaways, I think that's going to be huge uh, for for Illinois' chances. Uh, some people I'm watching in this game, I'm really interested to see if Julian Pearl plays on the offensive line. They've really struggled with the guard position. Uh, I think Julian could play right tackle and you slide Alex Palczewski to guard. If you just want to play Julian Pearl at guard, I, I think that's fine. But I, I just think they need a little bit more size there. You know, Badovanak and Jarosadi have really struggled in pass blocking, especially. Uh, but uh, even in the run game, I think you need a little bit more. And Julian Pearl's had small sample size, but he's been really good uh, when he's been in the game. Uh, again, I think you target the tight ends a little bit more. And I'm really interested to see if Chase Brown comes back, do you give that guy 15 carries? Because I think they need to let maybe one of these running backs cook. I think the running backs are fine. I'm not really concerned about them. But if Chase Brown is in the game, I don't know if I want, even though Josh McCray looked good, even though Jakari Norwood gives you a little bit of speed, I think I want to have that workhorse a little bit. <laughs> because these guys seem to get better as they get into a rhythm. And uh, you know, Chase only has five carries through two games because of a nagging injury that we don't know what it is. But uh, I'd like to see them use him uh, as well. So... The one couple positives here, these have been two one-possession games for Illinois. I think Brett Bielma has managed games extremely well, setting his team up for great opportunities. They took advantage of those in Nebraska. They did not against UTSA, whether it was the end of the first half, you know, having the opportunity to double dip. They've done that in two games now, uh, which means to, to score before the half, and then you get the ball back at the half or after the half. And then uh, the chance just to, to win the game last week. Uh, the fact that they set that up with three timeouts left at the end to kick it off in the end zone and not do an onside kick and uh, have the chance to, to win that at the end. I think UTSA played in Illinois' favor, running the ball three times and you know just putting it in the middle of the defense I thought really helped. But uh, Brett Bielma, his decisions allowed his team to get back in the game. But I'm interested to see how Ryan Walters and Tony Peterson adjust based on what they saw last week so big game for Illinois obviously they're all big games it's another one that Illinois is a 10 point underdog not a lot of people are expecting them to win this one just like against Nebraska but if you can find a way to win and be two and one after three games uh, I think you feel really really good about yourself Um, it's a tough game though tough opponent against Virginia a team that if Illinois is uh, Virginia's record over the last five years was 29 and 2 29 22 and 17 and 16 in the ACC, that's what you want, right? So it's kind of a look of what you want to be in a couple of years. So if you can steal a win from a program like that, that's basically, you know, winning at a level that I guess, but Minnesota is right now, or Michigan State was before D'Antonio kind of fell there at the end, uh, that'd be a big win uh, for Illinois. Um, but you know, you only get so many opportunities, and the margin for error for this team is pretty small. But I'm excited to see what they're able to do, how they bounce back uh, from a disappointing loss, how they bounce back from adversity. Because in the past, it hasn't gone so well. It did in 2019 after they got down to two and four. But how does this team respond to adversity after last year? They didn't respond to it very well with a new coaching staff. What adjustments do they make? 
I'm very eager to see all of that. Hope you enjoyed. Jackie Franchuli, she was great. Check out Wahoo's 24-7 if you want to get a little bit more insight onto the uh, Virginia Cavaliers. She did a Know the Foe with me uh, as well, so you can uh, check us out there. We're going to have a lot more football content and basketball content throughout the rest of the week. Uh, so if you want to be a VIP member, sign up now. Uh, if you didn't get to that Jay Lehman film review, I highly suggest you do that. But uh, you can sign up for a VIP membership right now for just $1 for your first month. So check that out right now. Thanks as always for listening to the Alana Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, rate us, review us. We really appreciate when you do that. It helps us out a ton. And everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time on the Alana Inquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.